This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Okay, so with the caveat that apparently uh, Sarah Sanders, the White House Press Secretary, downplayed this today when asked about it. And that this may just be musings or trial balloons being floated by an unpredictable president who likes to do that sort of thing. But here was his handpicked economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, this morning on the president's favorite TV show, Fox and Friends, uh, delivering a message he said was from the president. That the president would prefer, rather than continuing NAFTA negotiations with the two NAFTA partners, Canada and Mexico, that the preference would be to negotiate separately with each of them. Here's what he said. Yesterday we met with the president a couple times, and he is very seriously contemplating kind of a shift in the NAFTA negotiations. His preference now... And he asked me to convey this, is to actually negotiate with Mexico and Canada separately. He prefers bilateral negotiations, and he's looking at two much different countries. Canada's a different country than Mexico. They have different problems. And, you know, he's, he's believed that bilaterals have always been better. He hates these multilateral. Mm-hmm. He, he hates large treaties. Now, I know this is just three countries, but still, you know, oftentimes when you have to compromise with a whole bunch of countries you you get the worst of the deals why not try to get the best of the deals for the american people american workforce the american economy and presumably for their economies as well as i said canada is a whole lot different than mexico it's got a different problem so I, i think the important thought here is he may be moving quickly towards these bilateral discussions instead of uh as a whole right Okay, well, what, what are we to make of that? Now, the word from, from Ottawa is that this, this is a non-starter, and I think the Mexicans feel the same way. But uh, a lot of uncertainty around NAFTA talks ahead of this G7 summit uh, later this week, of course, that Canada is hosting. And this comes on the heels of all the tariff drama last week where the exemption ended for Canada, Mexico, and Europe. On these steel and aluminum tariffs, Canada, like these other countries, responding with tariffs of their own. Well, joining us to talk a bit more about uh, where things stand and uh, what it might mean for Canada going forward. Very pleased to welcome the program uh, Eugene Beaulieu, who is Program Director of International Economics at the University of Calgary School of Public Policy, uh, also a, a former advisor with the Department of Foreign Affairs and International Trade. Uh, Eugene, thank you so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. My pleasure. Uh, the idea of splitting up NAFTA talks or negotiating separate bilateral deals with, with both Canada and Mexico, what, what do you make of that? Well, I think it is a very complicated issue. I, I do think that it's not good at this stage for Canada to, to bite on that. I guess listening to your the preamble to this, uh, you know, negotiating these kinds of things uh, through social media and on the news, yeah. you know, that that's one thing. And, and you know, that's a political move. Uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, I think it's an intriguing question. I, I, I would remind you two things about this. One is, um, you know, Again, the U.S. wants the best bargain they can get, and, and that makes sense. They should be doing that. And I actually think there's some truth 
to what uh, Cudlow said that they can get a better deal bilaterally. Um, just remember the first thing they did after uh, Trump came in, in uh, became president was to withdraw from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, right. which was a very good deal for the United States, both economically and geopolitically. They pulled out of that and said, oh, no worries, we'll sign a bunch of bilaterals. Well, these countries don't want to do bilaterals uh, with the U.S. You know, it, it's just not, it's not something that's going to work. Um, so, the, uh, you know, in some sense, this NAFTA move is really, I, I, I think it is a trial balloon. I don't think Canada should bite. Uh, and, uh, and one other thing I'd remind you of, uh, that is that, uh, you know, when this, when this first came up as a, as, as a prospect that Canada would be negotiating NAFTA, you know, there was some debate in Canada on whether or not we should pursue a bilateral or we should pursue bilateral negotiations. And I, you know, I think for good reasons, Canada decided not to do that. Um, so I think from a strategic point of view, I think it makes a lot of sense for Canada and Mexico to stick together. And, and then on the other hand, there's also practical issues. It's not clear what it actually means if they did it bilaterally. Um, one, one further point I'd like to make is that all, all three countries are engaging in bilateral discussions um, while the negotiations are happening on, you know, you know, on a big comprehensive um, trilateral agreement. So there are bilateral discussions happening, and, and that makes sense. That's, uh, that, that's part of the negotiation process. But the idea of, of creating a separate or a new negotiation bilaterally, I'm not quite sure what that looks like, and in practical terms, I'm not sure how that would fly. Well, I mean, look, Canada had a bilateral agreement with the U.S., the original U.S.-Canada Free Trade Agreement, and I mean, that, that was a good agreement. NAFTA was an expansion of that. As you say, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, in a lot of ways, was, was an expansion of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be bad for Canada to have a separate bilateral agreement with the U.S., but in terms of why we would want it or why they would want it, what, what, is, it that, well, what is it that they're after, do we know? Yeah, sure. So I think, again, I, I do think this is an attempt to, you know, that the negotiations um, aren't going, I guess, well from a domestic political perspective for the Americans. They, I don't know why they would have thought this would be easy or short or, you know, Canada and Mexico were going to roll over on, on, on a number of very unrealistic and sort of aggressive protectionist uh, approaches to this by the Americans. Um, so it has been, you know, uh, in, in some sense, these negotiations haven't been atypical. These kinds of negotiations typically take two to three years, and they are complicated, and they go through lots of ups and downs. So, you know, they did have, a, I think, an unrealistic and aggressive timeline. Um, again, I don't know if, if they were, if the U.S. really thought that they could come to an agreement quickly. And if they did, they had a number of things on the table that Mexico and Canada simply aren't going to agree to. Now, I, I really like your point because we, you know, Canada does have a bilateral. We have the Canada-U.S. Free Trade Agreement. Um, the, that agreement was superseded by NAFTA. So there's, I've looked and, and sort of thought a lot about what are the different scenarios if NAFTA were to terminate, what would that mean? Well, one thing it would mean is that we would have a bilateral with the U.S. It would be the Canada-U.S. Free Trade Agreement. Many of the things, you know, we would still have to, we would want to update that and improve that. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to having that, you know, updated and improved. I think that would be a reasonable thing to look at. Uh, but I don't know what it means for the current negotiations or renegotiations, renegotiations on NAFTA. Uh, I, would, I would argue that many of the current stumbling blocks would still exist. Um, and I don't, I don't think, 
that would change very much. If if NAFTA, if or if the U.S. pulled out of NAFTA, in some sense, Canada would have a bilateral with Mexico because NAFTA would still be in effect between Canada and Mexico, and then Canada would have a Canada-U.S. free trade agreement. I think the one thing that well, that should be pointed out is that all of this is would lead to a, you know a continued uncertainty, yeah. and I think this uncertainty. You know, it is hurting Canada and it's affecting us and probably affecting all three countries. Well, yeah, probably. I mean, the um, IMF even just uh, on Monday this week, uh, yesterday, came out with a report saying that, you know, this is one of the big factors casting a shadow over the Canadian economy this year is all of this uncertainty around NAFTA. Now the possibility of of a trade war, it's it's not good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting that IMF in January, uh, they actually upgraded Canada's uh, um, performance for, they they thought that Canada was going to do much better or relatively better. They increased their their projections from 2.1% growth to 2.3% growth. But as you say, with all of this trade uncertainty and the uncertainty over NAFTA, um, you know, what that leads to is delayed decisions by investors and that's that's affecting the canadian competitiveness and so they have now downgraded it i think pretty much back to where it was uh prior to january around the 2.1 percent or two percent growth rate um so they have they've and and it is a lot to do with this uncertainty around you know i wouldn't call it a trade war but you know it's it it's looming it's 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 there um lots this could go a number of different directions but if it does escalate into what would be more of a broad-based um, uh, uh, tariff trade war. Um, don't forget, it's not just Canada, U.S., it's U.S., China, U.S., Europe, U.S., Japan. And if this thing you know, expands or escalates, that is not good news for Canada. Right. And I mean, that, the, the reality is that, that we're dealing with a, a very big fish here, the, the United States. And I think, obviously, the Americans look at whether it's playing hardball at the NAFTA negotiating table, whether it's uh, imposing tariffs, that they feel as though they're better positioned to, to deal with all of this than, than other countries are. I mean, is, is there truth to that? Well, if you they're not. They're not better positioned. You know, if you look at, uh, I've been I've been looking at quite a bit of evidence on what are, what would be the impact of a more broadly full-fledged trade war, and you know, the U.S. would stand to lose about two percent on some estimates. So, so the U.S. would be hurt by this. If you look at sort of evidence on, you know, what happens in trade wars, uh, you know, one of the sort of famous uh, quotes from President Trump was that it's easy to win trade wars and that kind of thing. The truth of the matter is, it's very costly. And often the country that initiates these kinds of trade wars are the ones that lose the most. And, you know, um, the, one of the things the IMF reported, and, and I think is pretty, pretty much uh, based on evidence from past episodes of these kinds of things, is everybody loses in a trade war. And uh, they're, they're, uh, the U.S. would, would in particularly lose. They, they would be affected by this. They're going to be facing retaliatory tariffs by all of their trading partners. And, you know, if it does expand, this is going to hurt the U.S. And there has been a lot of pushback by American uh, uh, businesses and, and others yeah. um, pointing out, you know, this is hurting America and will hurt America at a time when the economy is doing great. So I don't know why they're, why they're messing with it this, to this extent. Yeah, no, me neither. Because, you know, as I read, there, there are far more industries in the U.S. that consume steel and aluminum than produce steel and aluminum. So you're making these products more expensive. Companies that make automobiles, appliances, uh, even, you know, cans of beer, this, this all becomes more expensive. It's a tax, essentially. That's right. It does affect all anyone who's... So the steel and aluminum, again, um, there's a number of 
sort of big problems with that, and, and you identified the one. I mean, this hurts any users of steel or aluminum in the U.S. And and uh, and, and then some of the retaliatory tar- tariffs will also do that. Really, with with global supply chains or regional supply chains, this is a this is affecting the cost of doing business, and a lot of the tra- a lot of, so much of trade is based on that. Uh, goods are mo- are moving across borders, not as final goods, but as intermediate inputs. So tariffs on those things increase the cost of doing business and does hurt does hurt the economy uh, from that perspective. Of course, consumers are affected uh, by paying higher prices, um, but but it is fed through that impact on these global global supply chains, and that is a way that U.S. will be hurt by these tariffs. Um, maybe in a way that that's not fully appreciated. Even without retaliation, they're hurting themselves or they're hurting other other users. And we've seen that before, right? With with lumber, um, the U.S. Has, has protected the, the the vocal lumber industry in the U.S. Home builders and others who use lumber are hurt by those tariffs. In terms of Canada's response, I, I think maybe there was an expectation, a political expectation, maybe that that if they're going to impose tariffs, we got to impose tariffs, and everybody you know runs to jump off the same cliff in these trade wars. Would it make sense, though, for Canada to just hold off and, and say, look, tariffs are, are damaging. Uh, we're going to try to work with the U.S. to get this reversed. But in the meantime, we're not going to retaliate. Yeah, I really like your, your uh, perspective on that. I, I do think um, – so, so I don't think Canada has jumped in too heavily. They've, they've, they've announced they will retaliate. I think the, the word that uh, you know, Europe has used and, and Canada likes to use, and I think a, a reasonable res- response to this is we're going to respond proportionately. Even China is trying to respond proportionately. So they're not trying to escalate things. They're just saying to the U.S., if you impose these tariffs, we're going to respond in kind. We're not yeah. going to escalate things, but we're going to, you know, we're going to hit your economy the way we're being hit. Now, in some sense, uh, so what, and all of these things are just announced. So that's why I would be reluctant to call it a trade war at this point, um, because these are, uh, except for the U.S. tariffs are, are in place, but the Canadian tariffs are announced tariffs, and they will go under review. And so in some sense, it is a reasonable and sort of even-handed, even but, you know, uh, proportionate response to a threat. And I think, I think that's the right thing to do. Um, it, it does, as you point out, it, 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 it hurts Canadians too, and, and it is a big trading partner we're dealing with. So I guess one good thing is the Europeans are there, uh, Japan's there, and China's there. And, um, you know, a lot of big economies are, are sort of responding in a proportionate way. The bad news is if it escalates, it, it, it hurts everybody. It hurts the U.S., but it also hurts Canada. Yeah. Well, so moving forward, I mean, with the uncertainty around NAFTA, we do have the Canada-Europe free trade agreement. We, we've got the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the, the new Trans-Pacific Partnership moving forward. Those are positives, but obviously trade with the U.S. is the big one, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we've always had... We've always had, you know, the U.S. is big. It's it's fast growing. It's 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 an important economy, and you know we are lucky, and, and we have a great relationship over over, you know, so many uh, so many years. It's a strong relationship. It's important. We have to take care of it. We know that, and I think, you know, again, one of the things that's worth pointing out is you know there at the highest level, at the presidential level, you know, there's 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 these uh, trade challenges, but. At, at lower levels, and you know, our businesses do businesses together, do business together. At at all different levels below that, Canada and the U.S. are are we're you know we're we're engaging commercially, and we're strong allies. So you know, I think we have to keep perspective on that. 
Yeah, indeed. Well, we'll see uh, how things unfold, especially with the G7 Summit coming up later this week. Uh, Eugene, really appreciate the insight. Thanks so much for joining us here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. All right, take care. Uh, that is international trade expert Eugene Beaulieu uh, with the uh, School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary. He's their program director for international economics. More at policyschool.ca. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.